Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories edition. In all of the installments of Pitbull Stories, I have special guests who share their stories of what it was like to um, acquire a Pitbull type dog, to live with a Pitbull type dog, and kind of share their experience of how they worked through some of those stigmas and how they advocate for the breed now. I've been the proud owner of two blocky headed dogs and our current blocky headed dog, Waylon, is an American Staffordshire Terrier, and I know what it feels like to experience some of the stigmas that the world wants to throw at you, and my intention with this series is to reassure all of you amazing blocky-headed owners that our beloved pit bulls are amazing, and we can play a huge role in advocating for the breed. So please enjoy these episodes, and if you'd like to be a guest on Pitbull Stories, please send me a DM over on the Instagram at a feeling underscore NCO. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast, hashtag Pitbull Stories Edition. I have yet another lovely guest with me this evening. So um, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Bree and I have a gorgeous uh, what pity who I like to call the trifecta of bully breeds. Um, she is, we did her in Bark Test because uh, when I adopted her, they thought she was a boxer. Um, understandably, because she is quite the boxer personality. Um, but she's actually over 70% just pure American Pitbull Terrier. And we have some 16% Staffy in there. And then we got the rest, just some little English Bulldog. Um, <laughs> so she's a so black-headed mutt. She is the trifecta of bully breeds. She is a perfect little squatty potato body. Um, <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen photos of her, we are at Iggy the Pretty Pity on Instagram. And she's like, I want to say three and a half feet tall-ish. Okay, um, she's pretty tall. Yeah, she's, but she's short though. And like very squat. And I don't know, she's just a weird potato body child. Yes, she is. Okay. And for all the listeners, can you tell them where you guys are located? Yes, we are in downtown Chicago. Um, we are hopefully going to be moving to New York soon. So it's going to get to be a suburbs dog and live near national parks. And uh, it's going to be beautiful. That is amazing. Okay. So I want to hear about um, your, maybe your already established like preconceived notions around blocky headed dogs, maybe even before you brought Iggy into your life? Yeah. So I was always a dog person, but, um, I didn't grow up around dogs. Um, I rode horses as a kid. Um, I had a rabbit who I actually put on a leash and brought to my fourth grade classroom. <laughs> Did not go over well with all parties involved. Um, and according to my mom, I literally petted every single dog on every corner. I was obsessed. Nothing could stop me. And then when it came time for me to get my first dog, I got a eight-year-old senior Maltipoo off of Craigslist. And um, I didn't know anything about dogs. Um, and... Nala was really sweet. She just, I don't know, besides for the part where she peed and pooped in the Uber on the way home, uh, the first day I got her, um, she was just like all 
happy-go-lucky. We lived in Miami Beach. She was a beach dog. She got to be off-leash on the boardwalk. She's a bougie little princess. Um, and because she was a fluffy little 10-pound thing, nobody had a problem with that. Um, and then uh, my first up-close experience with a pit bull-type dog was around four years ago when I was walking a Bichon. And um, unfortunately, somebody let their um, untrained pity out of their um, yard and the dog attacked the other dog. I knew so little about dogs that I thought they were just playing. <laughs> um, Cause, and then when the other dog was just like squeaking in pain, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, wait, this is not playing. There's blood, this is not playing. Right. And then, so that was my very first interaction up close with a pit bull type dog. And it is literally like, if I had to encapsulate every single media stereotype into my first interaction with a pit bull type dog, bingo. Yeah, that was traumatic. Um, so did, did that like make you afraid of pit bull type dogs? I was determined not to let it um, because I am obsessed with dogs. Rachel, you've known me for a long time. Like literally all I talk about is my dog to the exception of- listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the exception, like even if people do not want to hear it, I'm like, oh my God, Iggy did this. Um, so I started following dogs on Instagram. Um, you know, I started like from the Dodo's um, Instagram account. Um, I forget their username. There's this adorable little pity with gray pity with a shark who's like Lexi and her shark or something who um, her mom puts flower crowns on her head. And I literally just like watched that scrolled through inappropriately liked every photo for the past five years of theirs. And was like I will not be afraid of pit bulls and yeah it was I was traumatized but I made a point of reminding myself that all dogs can bite not just pities and subconsciously I guess there was something in me that knew that the media was not giving me the full story um so yeah yeah I love so much that you were like you know what this bad thing happened, but this is not going to let me ruin my, my experience around and interpretation of pit bull type dogs. So, so let's fast forward. So, uh, so yeah. left this, this world and then right. looking for another dog. So tell us kind of yeah. how that happened. So I, you know, the story, um, I was looking for a service dog. <laughs> um, and I had, they, Iggy has actually, in the sense of me becoming her service human, really helped me with my recovery. But I had I was struggling with really bad PTSD and an eating disorder and depression and anxiety, and what I not so affectionately refer to as an alphabet soup of mental health diagnoses. Um, and I needed a service dog, and I knew that. Um, from social media that Pipples actually made great service dogs. So I looked, reached out to a rescue organization and said, hey, I'd like a service dog, but I also want a pity. Do you have somebody for me? 
and behold, they gave me Iggy. <laughs> um, you guys can't see this, but Rachel and I are both dying laughing right now. Um, because Iggy is the counterpoint of anything service dog related. Um, and I think like I had this, um, I had this, I want to save the unwanted pity complex. You did that, but you I did that, but I definitely did not get a service dog. Yeah. Like yeah. nowhere near it. And with my old dog, Nala, there was, I brought her to school with me every day. Um, you know, she just was this cute little thing who wanted to snuggle. And I got this thing in front of me named Iggy, who just wanted to snuggle, but more wanted to bounce on me. <laughs> and <laughs> I guess that's why she, they thought she was a boxer. And she wanted to bounce on me and she knocked me flat on my face, dragged me down the street, was incredibly powerful. And here I was, I got the unwanted pity, but I got an athlete and I had no idea what the hell to do. Yeah, and Brie, I think for a lot of people listening, right? There's this deep seated desire, right? To like do the right thing and like save a black yeah dog. And while that's beautiful and we should do that, there's also a lot of realities that come mm -hmm. with that. Yes. That we're probably not really thinking about until we're in the thick of it. Yeah. Because I think like, you know, one of the things we've talked about a lot, um, you know, on our own time is how my next dog will probably be from a reputable breeder because I just don't have the emotional energy to have another Iggy. Um, and I think that in the Pitbull community, we're all tripping over ourselves to advocate for how amazing our dogs are, that we sometimes forget to give people a little reality check. Yeah. Because I think what you said, something you said in, um, maybe it was the episode with uh, Kayla and Toby, um, that you see all these relaxed, snuggly pities on um, Instagram and what you don't see is the behind the scenes of six miles a day exercise that these amazing owners have given their dogs to have this snuggly baby in front of them. Yeah, right? And like, you know, it's, it's that parallel of like, we want to portray them in this beautiful light and like accentuate all of their positives, mm -hmm. but Dogs don't stick at homes if people don't understand the realities of like, it's not all rainbows yeah. and snuggles, right? So I, yeah. I, I, want, I want you to share just a little bit about who Iggy is and what she struggles with behaviorally that you oh, dear Lord. very hard to train through. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be here for a, we're going to be here for a very long time if we talk about everything Iggy struggles with. But the long and short of it is Iggy has really bad dog PTSD and she's got really severe anxiety. And in the beginning, I tried to pinpoint and brainstorm what might have happened in her past. 
Um, was she attacked? Was she used as a bait dog? Was she used for breeding? We don't know. And then I think as I worked with you a lot, I figured out that, that quite frankly does not matter. Um, whether or not Iggy is afraid, unsure, or thinks the dog in front of her is snack time, like <laughs> the behavior is the same. And so this plays in really well to what I was going to say about pitbull stereotypes and people thinking the pressure we put on ourselves as pitbull owners to have a perfect dog because I have a very non-perfect dog. <laughs> And my dog thinks that in middle of the street is a great place to go if she sees a little Shih Tzu three blocks away. And she will happily lunge there. And she will vocalize and, correct me if I'm wrong, she sounds like some kind of cross between a husky, screamy pity and a whiny ass chihuahua. It's... <laughs> It's, it is, it's, it's a very unique uh, sound and octaves that she is. She's, I'm really surprised she has no husky in her. Cause when she, she doesn't howl. Actually, she did howl for like five minutes last night in the middle of her sleep. And I was very confused, <laughs> but she just screams. And it was like, it's embarrassing. I have a 70 pound dog pulling. I get people being taking, I've actually had people take out their phone and video me. And I, <laughs> so, you know, as yeah. you know, Iggy's so well, anyway, very serious behavior yeah, to know Iggy from, like I said, on our first podcast, the, um, the case study we did together, two hours after I brought her home, she knocked me flat on my face and dragged me down the street. What is that? Yeah. What is happening? And Who I, is this cuddly pit bull? <laughs> and I think a lot of people can relate to that, right? Because let's be honest, they're muscly and they're big and they're strong. And they don't mean to be dicks, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that we still don't get dragged down sometimes. Right. I mean, Iggy, I'm literally wearing a shirt that right now that says proud pity of a proud parent of a pity who is sometimes an asshole and that's okay. Like, um, I am literally wearing that shirt right now um, because it's true. Iggy does not mean to be an asshole, but she is. And I think as I've gotten to know her and as I've educated myself on what our amazing bully breeds are like, then I've realized that what is portrayed on social media, and it's almost like the counterproduct um, of what us pitbull advocates try to put out there to combat the awful um, perspective that the media gives pities, is that they are these amazing dogs, and then like, they're sometimes not. Yeah. <laughs> but Iggy's, I'm, I'm, I'm an interesting, I'm a weird kind of reactive dog owner because I actively introduce my reactive dog with a muzzle to people because she is so people friendly and I 
so badly want people to see, look, here is my pit bull with a muzzle who looks so scary, but look, she loves you and she's giving you kisses through her muzzle. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird dichotomy. It is. And I think because you guys are in such a suburban environment where you are so regularly seeing people and dogs, so many dogs, yeah, right? Like you're, you're faced with for better or worse, more opportunities to advocate for her. Sometimes that's avoiding dogs. Sometimes that's introducing her to people on the, with the muzzle on, but yeah, I think you kind of just got thrown into the thick of it, right? Like you live in a city, you have this as if I went to the Olympics and I was expected to be Michael Phelps on the first day (laughs) (laughs) like my old dog walked like a little angel I used a retractable leash like I y'all I was a shitty dog owner I did not know anything and that's the interesting thing about pities is that they force us to know things Right. And you have to rise to the occasion. You right? really do. Yeah. I mean, like not to do my own horn, but most 99.995 people would have returned Iggy that day. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know? and you're very committed to her. So I want to hear yeah. just a little bit about like how um, your family responded when you adopted Iggy, because I'm sure that that was quite the parallel for them to see with oh, this yeah. like little fluffy dog who's pretty easy. And now you have this big old blocky headed dog. Yeah. So I have a photo of my mom with Nala, my old dog in Miami Beach sitting on the sand. Nala does not have a leash on her. She doesn't even have a harness. God, she didn't even have a collar. It was so bad. You guys, don't be like 18-year-old me. Um, <laughs> and she just like has her tongue out, so happy. And my mom's thrilled. I'm thrilled. Everything's good. And when I brought home Iggy, well, even before I brought her home, right? Like so many of us do, I went on Pet Finder. I scrolled through all of the adorable pitties. I was like, I want that one, that one, that one, that one. And I finally settled on this gorgeous tiger looking thing. Um, Because you guys, Iggy's a beautiful, very bright fawn brindle. And she does look like a tiger. Her name was Tigra before I adopted her. Um, You know, and I sent that one to my mom and I was like, look out, that's the one I'm going to get. My mom was like, no. <laughs> like, there was no discussion. My mom was kind of like, yeah, no. Um, and Because she was worried for your safety? There were a few things. Um, knowing that I was going to um, have Iggy as a service dog, we cannot see into the future. She was worried about, especially since Iggy was going to be my psychiatric service dog, she was worried about me needing to advocate for myself instead of Iggy doing her job, Um, which is a very, very fair and legitimate concern. Um, But she was more kind of like, oh, but pitbulls are unpredictable. They can't be service dogs they shouldn't even be family pets. Like, you know, you see all this stuff in the media about like, you know, it was this dog and they were perfect little angels. And then out of the sudden, like, oh, they clamp down on your throat and you're whatever. Like, you know, that was what she thought. So 
my dad was like had one opinion and he was like I guess I'll help you pay for her vet bills but are you sure <laughs> like let's be fair dad if you're listening I'm very sorry that I was not honest with you about the twenty thousand dollars that would come of vet bills <laughs> <laughs> like thank you dad thank you for paying for that Thank you. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, if you are considering getting a Pipple type dog, please know that not all of them cost even close to what Amy costs. <laughs> but, you know, my mom didn't truly and honestly believe, well, maybe that's the wrong way of putting it. She didn't comprehend who, that Iggy was just a dog until she met her six months later. And we had already done a lot of training by then, but I was also a little bit of an asshole. The first night my mom met her, I was like, do you mind taking Ig out for a potty break? <laughs> kind of a lot to ask. Cause I wanted a break and uh, I was the first one I'd get in six months. And the last one <laughs> and my mom's like comes back looking like what is this what is happening to me why is her poop so big what's going on and it was just I mean my mom is in love with Iggy now but she still doesn't think I should get another pimple and so that is the remaining stereotype right um she loves Iggy. Iggy is her grandchild, but she doesn't want me to get another pit bull because she's like, that's just Iggy. What about another one? And so that's where I think the inherent invasiveness of the stereotype of pit bulls comes in because my mom, who is in love with dogs, who is an animal person through and through, and who loves Iggy and who FaceTimes me first thing in the morning to see Iggy's cute little derpy face, um, does not want me to get another pit bull. And I tease her about her and I tell her I'm going to get a Mastiff or a Great Dane. Um, and, but she's afraid of it. And that also leads into where my sister's at because my sister has two young children. One is four weeks old and the other is about a year and a half, uh, 18 months old-ish. And my nephew is obsessed with Iggy and she is very uncomfortable with that. My nephew has a stuffed animal named Iggy. Every time he's with my, my mom, he's like, I want to see Iggy. I want to see Iggy. I want to see Iggy. Um, he sits at the dinner table and screams and bangs, Iggy, Iggy, Iggy. But my sister is extremely uncomfortable with that. And she's like, hey, my son might not feel like that when he meets Iggy in person. And he's, it's, again, it's this dichotomy of Iggy is a Disney level cartoon dog. <laughs> like she literally has the perfect floppy ears and these big expressive eyes and this tongue that is longer than her giant head. <laughs> and then 
there's this adorable thing in front of you and then also oh wait she's a pit bull and I can't even use the argument oh but she's not actually a pit bull because she is um you know so it's in that very long drawn out answer it's a challenge with my family because my grandmother will never meet Iggy just won't happen she is scared of all dogs and I have a pit bull and my aunt's hears me talk about how cute Iggy is and then she saw a photo of Iggy and was like oh my god and you know and and it's I don't know it's it's weird because I feel like I'm living in one world where the people I surround myself with are people advocates and you know you and I have become good friends over, you know, the time we've known each other. And I surround myself with these amazing um, pity owners and people who work so hard for their dogs. And then there's that one kind of family, right? But that loving community doesn't always reflect off of Instagram. Yeah. So it's a challenge. Yeah, that's super challenging. Um, and it's hard, right? Because like, you understand where people are coming from, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't know, and mm -hmm. all you hear is like what the media is shoving down our throats about them being aggressive and unpredictable, you can see where they're coming from, right? But I then we do. Yeah, there was a story, I believe that you posted, um, or somebody else, I'm not sure about um, a German shepherd who really badly attacked a person who ended up dying from their injuries. And the way we knew that it wasn't a pit bull, because it didn't say it in the headline. And the week before there was a headline, pit bull kills three family children. Yeah. And how are people supposed to know better? Honest question. And I'd love for there to be a discussion about this. How do we create that? Because contrary to our opinions, sometimes people do not live in this enlightened social media world. People yeah. live in their own little bubble and they get their Apple News notifications on their phone. And I might be FaceTiming my mom with Iggy's adorable face, but then she's like, oh, Brie, I saw this article. That's really scary. And then I have to explain for the umpteenth time about how, hey, that dog was probably triggered really badly. And there was probably a hell of a lot of trigger stacking going on. And that dog might've been unsupervised with the kid around and the kid might've poked him in the eye. There's so many variables that lead to a dog attack and inevitably, it always comes down to me explaining the statistics. A lab can cause more damage than a pity. A golden retriever can cause more damage than a pity. And, you know, when I explain that, that it's really hard for me to get out of my own head of being so passionate about why pibbles are these amazing dogs and say, 
why are you crossing the street when I'm walking with my little waddling potato body? Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. And you know, I think that it's so true, right? Because everyone listening to this episode, y'all are amazing. And and you're in this woke bubble that we all live in, but we have to remind ourselves that everyone isn't in that bubble and that is okay. But that was a huge motivation for continuing this series, right? Is because we need to reach the people that are outside of that bubble. So um, I want to transition just to talking a little bit about um, training, because I know that you and Iggy have exponentially grown as a team together, oh God, training, yes. right? So well, do you want to kind of share some of your journey? Yeah. Well, we have a little bit of a weird claim to fame. Um, we are the first reactive redefined team that's on there for round two. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit so of a weird... Don't know. Reactive Redefined is an online coaching program for reactive dog owners. So yeah, Iggy. Iggy. By the amazing, amazing Rachel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Iggy, that's our little weird claim to fame. Um, I'm a dog trainer in my day-to-day life. And I became a dog trainer because of Iggy. I thought that would help me be able to help train her myself. Little did I know that when they teach you to become a dog trainer, they teach you how to handle doodles that get offended if you don't pet them. They do not teach you Iggy. (laughs) You know, Iggy is her own little breed of dog. She's an adorable manatee who also is batshit crazy. You know, so there's, I went through I worked with some of the rescues trainers and I quickly realized that I needed to be extremely discerning with who I worked with. Um, And I don't think we talk about this enough. I don't think we talk about the fact that there are so many shitty trainers. (laughs) You know, I might be one of them if you bring your reactive dog to me. Well, I really hope I'm not because I know enough right now. When you bring a reactive dog to me, I'm going to send you to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that that's a really good point. And, you know, I I don't want to call them shitty trainers per se. I appreciate your enthusiasm. Okay. uh, Let me correct myself. Uneducated trainers who have not been exposed to dogs with a whole wide range of behavioral issues. Yeah, right. Like there's a very big difference between teaching basic manners and implementing a long-term behavior modification protocol, right? Absolutely. You know, and I think that you're amazing. And I think so many people can relate to your story because they had every intention of rescuing a pit bull and then found themselves with this giant project that they didn't know they were going to have to work through. Definitely couldn't afford. Um, (laughs) You know, I mentioned that we spent $20,000 on egg before the only a fraction of that has been vet costs. You know, we work with a veterinary behaviorist Iggy takes more meds than I do, Um, you know, and we just had a conversation last week. I was uncomfortable with the amount of meds that our behaviorist recommended um, because I was like, is that really necessary? It's a lot of meds. And then, you know, understanding that 
our dogs are wired very differently. We try to humanize them in order to comprehend how the hell to deal with them. You know, but at the end of the day, reading Iggy's body language is 99% of our training. Right. And I'm still learning because Iggy doesn't give very strong cues. Um, I've had her since April of 2019. She has never once lifted her lip in my presence, ever. Um, she has attacked another dog while she was with me. Uh, she has been attacked by four dogs. And the most recent was really, really, really bad. Um, we didn't even know she'd still have her hearing, but she couldn't defend herself. And I think back to that day where she was attacked and all of her triggers were so activated. There was literally one hurting her right then. And she was still wagging her tail because she did. My assumption from what I know is that her, her, um, trying to communicate how hard she was struggling was ignored for the, all of those cues were ignored until she was like, okay, the only tool I have left is to lunge and scream. And that makes it really hard to train a dog. Um, you know, in my day-to-day -day job, I teach pet parents how to read, um, their dog's body language from when their ears flick back and forth to whether their tail is up or down to the little minutest things. Is their mouth drawn? What wrinkles can you see on their faces? Iggy doesn't fall into any of those categories. Um, she does to a certain extent, but it's really hard to see, to spot her, her reaction unless she's vocalizing. And that has made our training a little bit hell on earth. Um, and then the, the balanced community has come out to play on our Instagram comments. And I do want to talk about that because there's such a huge thing of all pitbulls need pinch collars. And they do not. And after Iggy was attacked, something stood out to me and said, somebody reached out to me and said, how many more things need to happen before you realize that nothing's going to happen just with treats? And I blocked that person because I nobody got time for that. <laughs> and, but, and it's really hard because Iggy is, Iggy's an enigma, right? We don't know what is going on in her head i'd love to save up money to see a brain scan but it's our training journey has been one of a lot of tears so many tears um and a lot of i don't know what to do and so much frustration and then the every so often little spark of bright hope that i post on instagram but I do try to make a point of showing our struggles on Instagram because 
there is too much of a good thing going on a little bit. Yeah. And I think, you know, as the wonderful listeners have, have heard me discuss before, right, is that, you know, we have athletes, we have really strong dogs in our blocky headed packages. And, you know, I think in Iggy's case specifically, Iggy struggles with a literal mental disorder, right? And I think that, you know, it's easy to say, oh, just slap a pinch collar on her and then you'll have better control over her. issues aren't obedience related. She actually needs, right? Is intervention and help and support, right? And I think that um, for a lot of the rescue biddies, that is often work with the veterinary behaviorist to start medication to help with some of the disorders that you're facing, right? And you know, I think that, you know, there's always going to be the, the other side of the dog training community. Right. They will always be there and they're not all bad, right? They're not all bad. They're not. Some of my best friends are people who are pinch collar advocates and we have to, I, I, I value our friendship and I value our relationship. So I don't, I try really hard to not get upset and antagonistic when they point out things that I know is just going to hurt my dog further. Um, but but your guns and you know, right. That Iggy doesn't need anything else stressful in her life. It, okay. So exam, um, a really good example, pack walks are becoming increasingly popular. Um, and they're amazing. I love pack walks. However, our behavior specifically told us don't go to pack walks because you don't need Iggy learning body language from dogs who are being hurt at that moment. Y'all in the balanced community do not come for me. I don't have energy, sweet baby Jesus. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah. what it really boils down to is that nobody needs a heavy hand and you know, the, our beloved, our beloved dogs fall in that category. So I want to transition a little bit to, um, some of the pit bull myths that maybe oh, you yes. to unlearn along the way. And maybe one you would particularly like to just die already. Um, can I, can I do all of them? <laughs> like, literally all of them they're just fucking dogs sorry mom I know I told you I won't curse but um, uh they're they're just dogs they do not have strong jaws um I think it was Noah and Lincoln's mom who said on the last Pitbull Stories edition it would take a really weird biological twist for them to have locking jaws yeah, <laughs> did say that yeah yeah it, it's true and they are our blocky headed dogs are land hippos and I think that I'm I'm gonna choose one that might be a little anti what I'm trying to say but it's that not all pit bulls are good dogs, just like not all pit bulls are bad dogs. And I guess what I'm trying to say is they're all just fucking dogs. 
and you have cuddly pities you have fearful pities you have pities who get offended if you don't get stay high and scratch their butt for a million years um you have uh, pities who are just like what the hell are you doing in my face i want a snack um my point is they're just they're just damn dogs i mean yeah <laughs> they're just dogs. And I, and I think you know just to highlight maybe the sentiment of what you're trying to express is I'm that that you know while we love blacky headed dogs and we want to advocate for them that does not make the make them all amazing lovable pets right and, and it's not any fault of their own right like this is all on human hands but you know the flip side of the coin of like you know not all yeah. are good dogs <laughs> Right. And what leads into that is the other myth of it's all in how they're raised. Yeah. Because it is not. Because, yes, so many things Iggy struggles with could have been fixed in the first eight weeks of her life. But one of the reasons I would like to get a brain scan one day is because I want a team of behaviors to be able to study her anatomy. I because she's a perfect example of a pitbull who is so many things at once. She is a loving, wiggly butt, adorable, cuddly little monster who dances on my bladder at 3.30 every single morning to want to go out. And she's a deeply troubled dog. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the genetic component, right. Of <clears throat> little genetics, early experience and what that does and the role it has in the way that her brain works and how it's wired and how it's functioning and how it's firing. Um, so yeah, Bria, I'm with you on that. And I love so much that you want, um, to see more research, right? Like let's understand this better. You do not have enough research in the dog community, um, I was watching a documentary about um, what goes in our dog's food, and I forget the name of it, but they were talking about how people just don't want to put dump money into dog research because they're complacent. And there's I think it's getting better. I feel like there's is, more, right? Like it it's is getting, getting better. better. But in the field of reactive dogs, I don't know if there are a ton of reactive dog owners who are like, here, when my dog passes away, go use her for research. Yeah. That's a little bit morbid, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, right. for everyone listening, if they don't already follow you on Instagram, can they tell you, um, can you tell them your handle? It is at Iggy the Pretty Pity. Um, it's Iggy the Pretty Pity.com. Um, I am also going to plug, I just started a small business of making, um, just adorable. It started out as Iggy merch and now it's just a bunch of really cute dog stuff. Um, and the shirt I mentioned I was wearing earlier, you can purchase it cause you girls broke. Um, but yeah, I mean, Iggy's Instagram is, is, I really try to make it a place where we can see the positivity even when and the struggles of having a reactive dog keeping it real 
cute. Oh yes, a little too real at times. <laughs> well, Bree, thank you so much for joining me. This is really fun. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn more about how you can connect with me for training, you can go to my website, agfdogtraining.com. If you'd like more training inspiration and insight, you can follow me on Instagram at a good feeling underscore NCO. If you'd like to become a member and support the podcast, please check us out on Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash disorderly dogs. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes and if you really like this podcast and you want to go above and beyond for me you could leave a five-star review over on apple podcast to help more like-minded individuals find us